Just a few pages back in the songbook is another song at 596, if you're holding your book. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny, was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to lay down his life for me. If that isn't love, the ocean is dry. There are no stars in the sky, and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this, if that isn't love. Even in death, he remembered the thief hanging by his side. He spoke with love and compassion. Then he took him to paradise. If that isn't love, the ocean is dry. There are no stars in the sky, and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this, if that isn't love. The idea that's presented in that song is to suggest that the, old, that the love of Jesus and the evidence for that love is overwhelming. It is so great that if we could look at what God has done, what Jesus has done, and even what others have done for us to make it possible for us to enjoy the blessings that we enjoy tonight, and if we could say there's no love in any of that, It'd be just as easy to say, the ocean is dry and the sparrow can't fly. You may remember hearing people say, that won't happen until a cold day in July. Meaning by that, it probably will never happen. And I remember hearing several times in life that that will not take place until hell freezes over. And all of us know that hell is never going to freeze over. And so the statement is a ridiculous statement to emphasize the overwhelming nature of the evidence. I want us to think about love in that sense tonight as we talk about the subject, if that isn't love. First, I want you to think personally about the different people who have loved you so much and have done so much for you. For those who have sacrificed to make it possible for you to be where you are tonight. Some of those sacrifices have been of a physical nature to take care of your physical needs. Some have been of a spiritual nature to take care of your spiritual needs. I suspect that all of us would be somewhat surprised if it were possible for us to have, let's say, a video history of all that's gone in to making the church what it is in our area today. And if somehow or other we could go back and look at all that has happened from the beginning of time and especially from the beginning of the church, all the people who have made sacrifices for us, I think we would be surprised and perhaps somewhat overwhelmed. 
In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, in verse 15, Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. He was saying, you know, I've made some outstanding sacrifices, especially for you. And I think he was saying that he was glad that he had done that. Just back a chapter or so in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, beginning at verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Folks, if that isn't love, what is it? If it was not love that prompted Paul to be able to do all these things and to refer to them and say, in a sense, I did these for you, what was it? The last verse of his previous letter, 1 Corinthians verse 24 of 16, My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. I don't think we can even question but that the Apostle Paul is a classic example of what people in Bible times and what people since Bible times have done sometimes in sufferings and persecution to make it possible for us to worship God tonight in the pleasant surroundings of the freedoms in this building. If that isn't love, what is it? That is love. But let's go a little higher than that. Let's think about the love of God. We've sung about the love of God. We've talked about the love of God this week. And as we think about the love of God, I want us to go to that favorite verse of John 3.16. For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you notice that I left out a word? For God so loved the world. I think that little word so there is a key word, emphasizing how great this love was. God didn't just love the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now if that isn't love, what is it? In Romans the fifth chapter, verses eight and nine, he says almost the same thing, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's that only son that he sent, his only begotten son. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. God sent his only begotten son from heaven for me 
and for you. If that isn't love, what is it? In Romans 8 verse 32, just another chapter or two over, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Notice how he says that. He that spared not his own son. A verse earlier there in Romans 5 said, maybe you and I would be willing to sacrifice someone we love for a good man. And I think the way he's saying that is, it'd be difficult for us to do that. It'd be difficult for me to give my son, sacrifice my son for anybody. But especially for those that are sinners. Think about some of the worst crimes you've heard about in the last few days. The people who seem to be the worst people on this earth, would you be willing to sacrifice one of your children for those people? God gave his only begotten son for those who were sinners. And as you think about that, let your mind wander to the Garden of Gethsemane for just a moment. And you see Christ praying so fervently that he had sweat drops as of blood. And his prayer was, Father, if there's another way, take it and don't let me die. That's really what he was praying. Let this cup pass from me. And went ahead to say, Thy will be done. And if this is the only way, and the Father knew that was the only way, and there is a sense in which we have a Father, God, not listening to that prayer, or at least not rewarding that prayer in the ultimate way for what he was asking. He said, If there's another way, I think Jesus was pleading with his Father, Let me not have to die if there's another way. And God let him die because there was no other way. If that isn't love, what is it? That is love. Now consider the Son. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave himself for me. I really think that says if there would never been another person lived on this earth but me and I needed salvation, Jesus would have died for me. Or he would have died or did die for me and for you. Jesus died for me. Isn't that love? In John 10, 15, as he's talking about being the shepherd and about his sheep and all the sheep coming into the one fold, he says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life. That suggests in the statement itself that he willingly did what he did. He didn't say I was forced to do this. He said I lay down my life. Jesus was willing to give his 
life for you and for me. In the 15th chapter of the book of John, at verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And someone in reading that made the comment that Jesus' love was even greater that he laid his life down for his enemies. But Jesus laid his life down. He laid it down for every one of us. If that isn't love, what is it? That is love. Not only did Jesus lay down his life for us, but in the process of coming to that point, he was persecuted and ridiculed beyond measure. Matthew 27, 26, they scourged Jesus. That means they probably tied his hands over his head on a bareback and they brought a whip across it. Verse 28, they put on him a scarlet robe. Verse 29, they plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Verse 30, they spit upon him, smote him on the head. Verse 31, they mocked him. Verse 35, they crucified him. You put other passages together, driving nails through his hands and his feet, nailing him to the cross to hang there until he died. If that isn't love, for what are you and I looking? That is love. And in connection with that, thinking about the persecution and where it led him, listen to the second chapter of Philippians. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's where he was but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Son of God called God himself, John 1. Thinking that it wasn't robbery to be a part of the Godhead, humbled himself even to the point of the death on the cross. If that isn't love, I don't know where to find it. In that book of Revelation, to which we've already referred earlier tonight, in the first chapter in verse 5, as he's talking about the source of the book, he says, And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. If that isn't love, where would you find it? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9.14 In whom we have redemption through his blood, according to the riches of his grace, the forgiveness of sins, in that verse of Ephesians 1.7. Washed and cleansed in his blood, 1 John 1 and verse 7. Their robes made white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 7 and verse 14. With that blood he purchased the church. 
Acts 20, 28, of which you and I have the opportunity to be members today. And John 19, 34 says that the fellow pierced his side and forthwith came their blood and water. There was the love of God flowing through the Son of God to mankind. If that isn't love, where would you find it? That is love that makes it possible for us to be saved. And I think we see a human side of that when we look at John 11:35 and 36. Every one of you in here tonight can question.